All right, so this morning, what I want to do is complete and finish a series of talks that we launched into at the beginning of the summer that we simply are titling Reworking Prayer. And the idea is this. Prayer is something that probably all of us in this room have heard of, have interacted with on some level, whether we ourselves have prayed or not. It's, it's a common thing in our culture. Some of us have grown up praying and trying to pray more. But there's a problem with prayer for many of us if we begin to be honest. It seems like it's not this math equation that we want it to be. You don't do A plus B and always get C out of prayer. And it can feel like prayer isn't really working, particularly when you start to pray for things to happen or not to happen, for health issues, for things going on in other people's lives. We can spend hours and hours and hours praying for things and never feel like that prayer is doing anything. That doesn't mean that we stop praying necessarily, but it's caused me in my own journey to ask the question, is there a thing called prayer that works? Or is it supposed to be this thing that we just continually revolve our lives and times and, you know, beginning of the meal around over and over again, but we don't really ever expect it to work. It's just a thing that you do. And so this summer, we've been having this conversation around reworking prayer. And can that happen for our lives? And I won't, you know, go into everything that we've talked about up to this moment, but for, for us specifically, uh, when we look at this prayer, we look at this thing known as the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer that we just prayed, and what we've talked about up to this moment, is Jesus inviting us not to necessarily go to God as some kind of vending machine asking for things to happen. But the whole premise of this conversation and this talk series has really been asking the question, is there something different? And that different thing for us and for me has been, what if these words and what if this idea was prayer was far less about getting something from God and more about learning to posture myself in a certain way? That it's a reminder for me of some things that I want to be centered on, focused on, and about And just like you would stop your day and adjust your posture that this isn't the healthy way to walk, as I do most mornings, that you stop, you recognize posture. It's important. It impacts so many different things in my life that there's a posture that I can take, this thing, this tool called prayer that I can introduce into my life that is going to help me interact with myself and the world around differently. And so to look at this posture of our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Maybe the words are not the specific thing, but there's a posture behind those words that there's something here. There's more than just flesh and bone and dirt and air, but there's, there's something here. Father, divine, God, spirit, it's here. It's in this moment. The amount of times I'm not postured towards that idea, but I'm just centered and focused on, oh, I got to do this is the most important thing ever, and being more postured towards that. Being a posture towards your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's something happening in this world that's good, that's true, that's beautiful. Biblical languages call it the kingdom of God. Again, language maybe not so much as important as it is a posture towards, okay, in this moment to posture myself towards there's something good and true and beautiful that I want to be a part of seeing, I want to be a part of creating, I want to be a part of ushering in to my life and to the world around me that people are interacting with this, that I'm interacting with this. And then as Seth spoke last month, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's a posture towards this present moment. And understanding our propensity to live in the future, anxiety, or in the past, guilt and shame. And we just live bouncing back between the past and the future rather than just being fully present in this moment. Recognizing there's something here and there's something good, true, and beautiful that i got to be a part of ushering into this world. 
That's a posture, and that feels like a healthy posture to me. So this series for me has been reworking prayer to understand, okay, okay, it's a posture, it's a posture, it's a posture, and how these words can help me in that. But as many of us know, and as we just prayed, that's not the end of the prayer at all. There's this ending that says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, some of you that grew up in faith traditions or churches, you might throw another line on there. For thine is the kingdom of power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's not a bad line, uh, but it was actually added post-scripture. It was added as a part of a doxology, as a part of a liturgical kind of service. And so if that's a part of your prayer life, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with those words. But there's something to me, if this is the end of the prayers we see in Matthew chapter 6 from Jesus, there's something to me that this is the last line and that there's a period at the end of this line and something that's being communicated by the fact that this is the last line rather than something else after this. And the only way I know how to describe it is it's like a wedding. A wedding is something that I'm sure many of us have interacted with on some levels. It's a wedding is a beautiful thing. Many of you probably went to them this summer. But you go to a wedding, and there's a lot of time and energy and resources. If you've ever been through it, you know. There's a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of family, a lot of potential fights that are happening. There's a lot that goes into a wedding. You know, I have a daughter, Margot, and I should probably start saving now because I'm going to have to pay for a wedding someday. Like Just the, the, the sheer nature of that culturally, we understand weddings are huge. But as we all know, as beautiful as a wedding is, as momentous as it is, as powerful and significant as that ceremony is, because I do a lot of weddings, and let me just say they're powerful and significant. As it is, we all know, everybody knows in that room or in that field, wherever the wedding's taking place, this is not the thing. This is a reposturing for the thing to then be go lived, to go be lived. In other words, you don't get to a wedding, you don't sit in a wedding, And you're so excited for that thing to last forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Like all of us have probably been a part of those weddings. I was at a wedding a few years ago. I wasn't doing this one just for everybody else. Uh, But I was seated seated there. The sun was beating on us. We were all in our Sunday best just sweating through all of these clothes. And the pastor up front goes, I'd really like to talk about this thing called Christianity. And C stands for courage. And then he had like 20 minutes talking about courage. H stands for honesty. And all of us were just like, oh, no, this is the end. Like, we just knew. It was a two and a half hour ceremony. It was the worst. And it was the worst because none of us were there for that thing. None of us were there to stay in that moment. All of us were there to watch a reposturing of two people that came in as individuals to reposture their lives towards one another in a significant and beautiful way. And then the power, then the significance, then the beauty begins because we all go, there's this moment that we get to be a part of the pronouncement. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my privilege to introduce to you Mr. and Mrs. Da-da-da-da. And in that moment, everybody goes, all right, game on, party time. Let's do this because that's why we're here, to see this reposturing actually lived out and celebrated. I believe that prayer can be like a wedding. It's an opportunity. It's a moment for us. Some of us grew up in this, opportunity, in this thought that it's something that we're supposed to find ourselves centered on more and more and more and more and more. And you need to pray more and go. You know, the longer that you pray, the better off that you are. I think there's something potentially broken with that idea. Because if prayer is posture, then all of a sudden, what I start to see in this last line, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, is this opportunity to say, And here we go. 
It's the thing at the end of the reposturing to say, and now I'm going to actually go and live this stuff out. I think it's even fascinating to see that Jesus, in his words, communicates this directly before talking and introducing the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus is communicating so clearly. This thing called prayer, it's not about words. It's not about amount of words. It's not about the types of words that you bring. It's not about some kind of show. Jesus invites you to go pray in this place, secret place, the inner room. It's a place, it's your closet. It's not a place that any of us, culturally, 2,000 years ago or today, have designed to say, I need to spend more time in my closet. That's what I need to do. That's kind of the language that Jesus is bringing here. It's a place that you go but it's not where you live your life. It's not where you want to spend all your time and energy. And for Jesus, prayer is not about words. It's not about the amount of time you bring to it. It's the work of entering into a space, like a wedding, however long, however short, and you reposture, and then you have this phrase, and here we go. And prayer is powerful, just like a wedding is powerful, when you actually take that reposturing and see it lived out in a significant way. And this, for me, is why this idea of lead us not into temptation is a powerful thing. Because if prayer has been this thing where we're introduced to all of these ideas, what I know, I have a tendency in my own heart and life. As much as I say, God, I want to I kind of stay centered here. There's something here. I want to be somebody that's centered on what's good, true, and beautiful. And I want to be somebody that's centered on the present moment. What I know is I have the tendency to say, okay, and here we go. And I'm going to let that slip really, really quickly. And other things are going to distract and other things are going to get in the way. Because what we know is this. Anytime within our humanity, there's this wiring known as evolution that allows us to survive and has allowed us to survive for hundreds of thousands of years because what we do as human beings is we are wired to react to any sort of movement, any sort of new color introduction, any sort of new smell, any sort of new feel that we might sense. These are evolutionary traits that we find within our humanity that allow us to survive because as you can imagine, Hundreds of thousands of years ago, if you're out in a field and you see movement in the field, there is a potential that that is a bear that is going to kill you. And so we are wired to go, something different over there. We are wired to be aware there's a new smell here. We are wired to be able to pick up something and interact with it. And that thing feeds information to our brains that we then are interacting, interacting different because of this new information that's happening. So hundreds of thousands of years ago, you're walking through a field. You see movement, you smell something, all of a sudden, boom, high alert, fight or flight. That's the way we're wired. The truth is, though, most of us don't deal in fight or flight. We don't deal in the new movement. Do I run? Or do I attack? What do I do in this moment? That rarely happens when you're sitting in front of your computer screen. That rarely happens when you're hanging out at home, unless you have a three- or four-year-old. Then it's just fight or flight all the time that you're not sure how to go about it. We don't live in this evolutionary state of needing every new movement, every new smell, every new color that's introduced to all of a sudden grab our brain's attention and go, do I need to run? Do I need to hide? What do I need to do? But yet our brains are still wired for it. 
And so we have this propensity to be people that make decisions and then are potentially distracted away from those decisions because of how our brains are wired. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about one of the most important things that you could do today. What, when you think about it, I'm honestly, just think about it. What is the most important thing you could do today? When we get done here, how do you want to spend your time? How do you want to spend your energy? For you to get done at the end of today and think, okay, that was time well spent. I'm really, really glad that I did that. To think when you lay your head on the pillow to think, I have no regrets today. I know that I did everything that I possibly could to live my best life now. I did it. You just think about it and you just process it and you don't let anything to get in your way or to grab your attention or to pull you away from what is most truly important about today. I think we all get the point. We live in a culture because of this thing called consumerism and capitalism that has grabbed onto this idea called interruptive marketing. That we all have days and lives and goals and plans and no matter what those are, because of this thing called interruptive marketing that we've gotten really, really good at, you, on average, and I are going to have four to six or four to 10,000 interruptions like this. Where we're going about our day and we see a logo, we see some movement, we see some color. It's a banner ad, it's a pop-up screen, it's an advertisement, it's a logo that we see as we're driving by, whatever it is, that no matter what we were thinking about, no matter how focused we were in that moment, our brains are wired to go, what, something's moving and it's colorful, I'm in. I need to know what that is. Many of us know we're going about our day, things are fine, buzz in the pocket, Zzz. again, brain wired, something's going on, what's happening? And there's part of us that can't move on, can't go through the conversation without checking that phone and seeing, okay, what's happening? I'm not here to say that that's a bad thing. I'm just here to say that that's a thing. And I know that about myself. If I'm somebody that I find myself looking at these words, that I'm going to leave this place, and all of a sudden this idea of temptation takes on new meaning for me. That maybe temptation is not, there's some devil hiding in a bush out there, so be careful, because he's going to tempt you. He's going to get you. But maybe temptation is just, you have intention. You have a direction that you want to point your life and your day. And to recognize the frailty at which that can just fall apart. Again, it's not necessarily anybody that's trying to be mean, but it's just the reality of how we're wired. I'm going to leave this posture, and I'm going to go out and lead me not into temptation and deliver me from evil, because there are things that are going to grab me from this kind of posture, and I want to do my best to stay centered and focused here. Prayer, for me, is this tool that Jesus introduces to anybody and everybody, to humanity, to say there's an intentional way that you can live your life, that you can posture yourself in your relationships and how you spend your energy. You can be a person of intention. But as we all know, this intention is easily derailed. And it's almost as if, for me, 
the way that I choose to interact with this idea of prayer and reworking prayer is coming to find and understand, here's this tool because I know that I need it. I know that I need to find these moments in my day where I'm recentering and refocusing, saying this is what matters and recenter here because I'm going to leave this place. I'm not meant to stay here. This is a sending thing. I'm out of here. And there are things that are going to distract me away from it. Health is never accidental. Healthy relationships don't just whoopsie-daisy into existence. Healthy communication isn't something that we stumble upon and we just decide to write a book later on in our life because we are that awesome at it. Being someone that creates beauty, whether that's through your art, through your work, through a spreadsheet, whatever it is, it doesn't accidentally come into existence. There's always intention behind these things. There's always the choice to say, I know that there's going to be 10,000 things that I'm about to interact with today that are all going to pull me and all going to woo me and all going to say, hey, things will be better, things will be cooler, things will be clearer, things will be happier if you just, if you just, if you just. And there is this invitation in this prayer for me to be a person of intention and say, okay, okay. As I interact with those things, this is where I want to stay postured. This is where I want to stay centered. And this is where I want to stay focused. This is how prayer works for me. And it's been one of the more beautiful spiritual practices that I've been able to see continually found in my life. I think I said it in the first week. I'm sorry for those of you that are visual thinkers. But I find myself every morning in the shower praying. It's, it's a place that I do want to stay longer than I should typically. And so I find these moments to just recenter and to posture myself. And to know that I'm about to step out of the shower and there's going to be kids there. I'm about to step out of my house. There's going to be work there. And there's going to be all these things that are going to distract me away from the person of intention that I want to be. A phrase that I found for my life that's been helpful is simply this. How I start my day is how I live my day. And I found myself, the more that I sleep in, the more that I don't really get up and get going and posture myself towards how I want to be in that day, those 10,000 things, they more dictate my life and my day than I want them to. And so here's this tool, because I believe Jesus invites us to be people of intention, if that's what we're going to do. If it's helpful, again, this is a lot of times the prayer that I'm praying. There's something here, and I want to be a part of seeing and creating what is good, true, and beautiful. I want to stay focused on this moment. I don't want past regrets or future anxieties to drive me. And I'm heading out in my day to intentionally live this out. And I just find myself over and over and over again needing to be that kind of person. Because otherwise, all these desires and hopes that I want to see happen, they never accidentally happen. But they do when we become people of intention. And prayer is this tool to help us in that. As we come and receive communion this morning... Just a couple questions I would ask you. Are you defining your desired posture for each day? It doesn't have to necessarily be the Lord's prayer. But is there a posture, how you want to hold yourself in this world, that you have been able to define? Because it's not going to accidentally happen. Accidental posture is this. Intentional posture is holding yourself high. Do you have words to bring to this posture? Many times the way that we want to live in this world is a feeling. It's an emotion. We, we know when it's right and we feel when it's wrong. Okay. 
But I think there's something helpful and good, and this is what prayer is, when we bring words to that intention, when we bring words to that posture. It may be weird, different, goofy words. It may have no connection with the Lord's Prayer at all. But are you somebody that is able to clearly define to yourself, out loud, this is the kind of person, this is the kind of posture I want to take today? And then the last question, are you regularly using this tool of prayer to help you remain in this posture? Again, it's something you do, and then you, it's ascending movement. But maybe you need it multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. I just need to come back to this kind of person of intention I need to be today. It's a posture I want to hold today. Are you doing that? Are you picking up this tool? Because it's when we do that, I believe this prayer works. This is what spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices are in such a beautiful way. Many of us grew up in a culture, potentially, where these spiritual disciplines, they ended in and of themselves. In other words, you pray for the sake of praying. You take communion for the sake of taking communion to say that you did it because that's what it's supposed to be about. But what spiritual disciplines and practices are all about is it's something that points us towards what is good, what is true, and what is beautiful. And just like prayer is reposturing ourselves in that, this morning we come to this table of bread broken and a cup shared. And it's to point us towards something this morning, to be people of intention today, in this moment. And then we come back to this story of Christ, his body broken, his blood poured out for the suffering of the world. And we ask ourselves the question, to partake in this kind of story, what does that mean for me today? What does that mean for us as a community today? How is Billings different? Because there's a group of people that got together at a movie theater on a Sunday morning and took bread and juice. It doesn't end in and of itself, but it points us towards something. And maybe for some of you, it would be these questions that you would process and think through. But as always, all are welcome into this story. All are welcome into this work to come take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup and remind ourselves of this story. There's something here. There's something good, true, and beautiful that's happening that we are invited to be a part of. And we are to live in this present moment. And then we go. So we're going to play a song and just invite you whenever you're ready. If you want to, all are welcome to come forward, take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and maybe recenter, refocus, think about these things, and then we go. Whenever you're ready, come forward. You are wired with intention. What I mean by that is there's something in you that is to live intentionally today. The biblical word typically for this is calling. There's a calling on your life. But that we are not to be accidentally stumbling through this life in our relationships. Health is not accidental. Relationships, healthy relationships are not whoopsie daisies but it's because we are people of intention. Art and beauty doesn't just happen. It's because we choose to put our hands towards something. And so may you be somebody that lives out this intention, this calling. And may you be somebody that finds a tool. And if it's prayer, great. If it's communion, great. If it's a conversation with friends, great. If it's a gathering in a movie theater on Sundays, great. But may you be somebody that lives with intention because there's so much good truth and beauty for us to create and interact with that we don't want to miss it.